Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Everywhere now is coming on it. Say hello. Everybody. Thank you for joining us this uh, Friday. And uh, we kind of... But, uh, you know, what I really want this conversation to go into is not just so much about, you know, all the cool things that's going to happen, like uh, how people just want to know how the, the world will end and everything. Because the Bible clearly talks in, um, I think it's in the book of Joel, that this is a world without end. So, you know, this is God's world. This is not man's world. This is a world without end. And, you know, an amen to God for that, because even Ezekiel says in the flesh of my flesh and the bone of my bone, I shall see the Lord. Um, what I really want to <clears throat> this conversation to talk about with the coming is we're seeing these things happen in the world. And this should question both the unbeliever and the believers, <clears throat> because for those that believe that, yes, we are in end times and yes, you know, um, the the signs are are here we're facing <clears throat> i'm sorry about that we're, we're facing um pandemics one after the other one after the other one after the other we're facing um rising tensions in war one after the other and jesus said these things shall come like a woman that is pregnant and you know when a woman is pregnant the contractions get stronger and stronger and stronger. And yes, uh, men can't get pregnant either, so you will never know exactly what that is. Um, when the contractions get stronger and stronger, the Bible says the pain is is there, but she forgets the pain once the baby is born. Now, this contraction is going to lead to, Jesus says, suffering and a great tribulation like there never was, nor shall there ever be again. And for us Christians, a lot of us are like, oh, well, you know, we're all going to go through the tribulation. We're all going to, like, um, put their head down in sackcloth or whatever. But that's not the point. How do we as Christians look at the, the panorama of history? You know, does it truly matter about, you know, what is going to happen? Isn't it more concerning that we focus upon what the Great Commission is? And what the what the premise of what salvation is 
I think we lose the sight of salvation as we focus so much on the propheticness of 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 a uh, of revelation or thing we're trying so much it's hard to to fit revelation into our world today so i'm going to ask uh, you know um both both of you guys this topic and i want um i, I want one of you guys to just uh go ahead and uh, uh jump in with this conversation as we we're talking off um offline about it what do you guys think about how we should uh perceive um revelation how we should perceive end time theory end time you know conjecture what is our mantra because we're still going to go through we're still going to have to live life but until then what is our premise because let me tell you god told noah to build the ark and he labored for a hundred and 30 something years and the, and the bible says he kept warning people until the very day god put him in the ark so what should our so how should our response be should it be like noah well do you want to go for a christian oh either way yeah i mean um i can go forward and and jump in okay, uh, <laughs> yeah it's, it's okay there's a you know there's a lot there. Um, the book of, you know, the book of Revelation is, uh, you know, it's all a blessing to be able to read it, but it's the only book I can remember that it says it's actually, ble- uh, the person is actually blessed to read it. Amen. The, the, the irony of it is, if we're all honest with each other, it's probably the most misunderstood or debated against uh, book out of the whole Bible with different flavors of belief, um, mm. you know, pre-trip, mid-trip, no, uh, or, or I'm sorry, uh, you know what I mean, uh, like rapture, when's the rapture, when it's not, so forth. There's all types of views of, you know, the end times. And my my view on it is, well, if you're blessed to read it, we, we, we need to read it. There's a lot of good things there um, at, at different levels. Um, but I can share with you one thing that God did show me. I'm not going to necessarily, I mean, if it comes to that, I'll lay out my cards and, and in the sense of, you know, what I exactly see, how things are going to happen. But this is one thing God has showed me that's given me relief and actually excitement. Um, is because when I pray and I, you know, I do a message, you know, uh, to thank God that he actually speaks to me and tells me what to speak about what to share, and he opens up a lot of things that I've read already to a new degree, which tells me the word is alive. It literally is alive and, and infinitive and eternal. It's, all, it's ever expanding like our God, in one sense. Um, so with that being said, what, what God has showed me is the book of Revelation, it, it, the way it's laid out, it's could look a little intimidating and and sloppy, um, but you know it's in the book of it's in the Bible for a reason. But what God did tell me about is that the reason why there is so much discrepancy about what's in there is because we truly don't understand God. 
did it that way, not so that we don't understand, but he's hiding it like he did a parable. The book of Revelation is written like a parable. It's hidden from those who don't need it, or God doesn't want them to have it, but the few are going to understand it, like the apostles, the 12 apostles, they understood it, uh, what Yeshua, Jesus Christ, was saying. And Revelation is written like that. So what am I trying to say? I'm going to be very honest with you. I don't have the whole book of Revelation figured out, but I believe there's key things God has shared with me. But he has shared with me that he hid things in purpose to confuse the wicked because it's not exactly like we think things are going to happen today, and we're a lot farther down the rabbit hole than a lot of people believe, but it's also in favor of the church. That is, you know, what God has shared with me, you know, with Revelation. Now, in, in respect of end times, as you were speaking about with, with Noah, as I, you know, to kind of curtail this, how you were trying to bring this in, uh, with Noah and, and preaching the gospel, we are very much to, are to continue that mantle of Noah because Yeshua, Jesus Christ said that it's actually, I'm glad you really used that example. He said in the end time, it's going to be exactly like the, the days of Noah in the, in the red letters. And what happened in the days of Noah, they mocked, they didn't listen. Uh, it was a hard ministry, but even though we went down in history, <laughs> literally, uh, it, it was one of the hardest ministries to get a salvation of eight people out of a world, uh, a, a world uh, audience. And we can gather that same uh, encouragement, even though we don't want people to not listen to us. But yeah, we have to pick up that same mantle. We have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to keep going, regardless if we see eight million. You know, eight eight hundred million or eight uh, people come to salvation. We have to keep swinging the hammer, like Noah did, and not be discouraged with the, the chaos. Even though I'm not sure which one's going to be worse—a world flood or the tribulation, because they're both bad and wiped a lot of humanity out. And you know, in the flood, the, the majority of the people. It's not funny, you know. Um, so. Yeah, we we got to keep swinging the hammer uh, in the end times, regardless of what people say or think about it. The truth is, Yeshua, Jesus Christ, is coming back, and that's why this evil is happening, is taking place, and it is coming to pass. There's a lot of things in the scriptures that are coming to pass that are confirming it, like the Euphrates River drying up, which is almost gone, around, what, 70%, which says we'll dry up in the end time before the more bound angels are loose. And, and and another in Daniel uh, as well that talks about, uh, what is that? You know, knowledge will increase and people will be going here and pro, you know, back and forth. So we see a lot of confirmations right in our face. And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if the Lord returned in 20, 50 years, but it might not be. It could be. And we're supposed to live like it might happen now. Uh, but we're not supposed to be stationary. The Bible says we are to occupy, and Noah was occupied. Noah was building. He was proactive. He wasn't just sitting there with his hands folded, waiting for the, you know, all of the world to be wiped out, even though a lot of that is going to happen uh, here as we get closer. Because what people, as you read the, the, the book of Revelation, what some people don't know or forget 
but even myself, but now I'm reminded, is when these bowls are being poured out, and they are already, I believe, and trumpets being thrown, they're not for the righteous. They're for the wicked. So what I'm saying is we're getting close to the end time. Judgments are falling at the same time revival and harvest is breaking out because people's eyes are bugging out of their head saying, oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, we never thought we would see this type of, of, of uh, intensity that the scriptures say that is, is going to, to happen in the, in the tribulation time. And so um, we just have to be encouraged and keep plowing regardless if we have one soul or one million souls. And the only way we can do that is through the anointment, the, the, uh, the Holy Spirit within us as we ask him to not only transform us, but help us to see through his eyes what he's doing and have the right motive. Because when we do that, and, and we, we remain anchored to a heavenly perspective, to be quite honest, it'll be difficult to shake our foundation our peace and our shalom regardless so we have the right motive we're not just trying to build a shrine or a temple for our own glory and get a million likes and blah 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 and our heart is right it's not going to matter how, how many people follow us and how difficult even though it might get of how difficult it gets uh, when we're anchored we're seated in heavenly places when we're operating out of heaven here on earth where our feet are the only things touching the earth and nothing else because we're seated in heavenly places, that nothing is going to be able to rock us as severe and intense and, yes, traumatizing for the wicked uh, and, in general, for the earth that things are going to get here in, in the end time. But, yes, we need to keep swinging like Noah. And uh, we have a treasure in heaven as we do that. we got to know that we can't outwork the king. Is the, the benefits, the flip side, the joyful side, is the benefits are out of this world. And our time in this time frame, in this earth, is just a grain of sand in comparison to the eternity for those who are faithful, who surrender and give their lives to Christ, are faithful to, to serve him, not just starting well, but finishing well. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. That's one perspective. Now, uh, I'll say this. Uh, I've heard about uh, Revelation as a book being uh, something that had been written in code uh, for early Christians. So certain people would understand it, and the rest it would sound like utter nonsense. And the only thing that I'd come back to historically uh, for myself was viewing Revelation as as the process of sanctification for the individual. All the destruction, the mayhem, disaster uh, scattered throughout, and all the biblical imagery being a sign of essentially weighing laced, uh, laying waste, excuse me, uh, to the corruption uh, of our souls that had come about through the world um, and really illustrating the victory ultimately of Christ uh, for those who embrace him. And while I don't think that's an entirely bad way to view uh, 
that doesn't mean it's the only way uh, to view it. And as uh, Christian said, this is a this is a book of great division. A lot of people will get into can have the temptation to get into arguments over uh, how they view it or what they think is going to happen. And I knew a, a brother of mine who, for the most part, I considered quite reasonable, but I really, really hated the way that he kept on coming back to end time scripture and trying to tie up things and uh, launch out and talk about Israel, this and that, and Iran and all these other things, and this kind of Fox News sounding uh, <laughs> like uh, geopolitical, like Republican style debate, and it was just like I couldn't deal with it. It doesn't mean that it was wrong. Uh, that somebody would look at it that way. Uh, and the way I, I figure it, and this is something that I uh, meditated on um, with God, which was if one is to believe, uh, if one is convinced that the end times are upon us, everything is going to happen in a stroke at the stroke of midnight, everything is going to happen within a year or two or five, or sometime in the next few months. Right or wrong, right or wrong, did that encourage this individual to win more souls or Christ? Did it encourage this individual to go out and save 100, 200, 300 people and spread the gospel? I mean, if it did, great. Uh, and... I know that there's some uh there's always going to be loonies uh out there like i think there was some guy here with something or whatever some years back who said it's going to take place we're going to have a rapture on, on some specific day that happened a decade or so ago he was wrong he was dead wrong because we're here and we're still dealing with suffering and sin and all the craziness that you might see in hollywood or anywhere else so clearly it hasn't happened yet you know, uh, yes, that's amen. 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 Go ahead. So, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, Harold Campinger, I don't forever saying, but anyway, he's one of many who have done this over the years. And yeah, there's that harmful side of things where somebody might say, believe in God and believe in, uh, in what I have to say, because basically their entire faith is contingent upon somebody, somebody being right about the end time or times, and, yeah, that's the rest where it can go bad. But I don't think that for most people, I think that most people in general don't have that problem. Because even though they're really convinced, there's that little smidge of reason, not just the intellectual, but also like the spiritual, the soul, which says it doesn't really matter if it happens tomorrow or not. Uh, in the context of it might not happen for 10 years, I guess is what I'm getting at. It might not happen for a century. I mean, hell, if you really want to uh, be real about when the end times was coming, in the last 100 years of the existence of the Western Roman Empire, there were so many calamities that befell that state. And then fast forward to 20 years before it had ended. Not only were they facing barbarians pouring in through their borders because... There was no real border at this time. 
corruption on a widespread scale, uh, incredible poverty for the average person uh, throughout most of the Roman Empire because all the elite held every little bit of wealth and to the point that they would rather sacrifice the citizens to barbarians than lose their money. It was filled with grief. And in the middle of that, Attila the Hun comes sweeping over from, from, the, from the steps. The Huns had been on the move forever. And then Attila gets command of this. And he could have been seen rightfully as, as death upon the, upon the pale blue horse. There sat death because there was one battle which he lost. Uh, against the Romans and their allies. And it was called the Battle of Catalonian Plains. This particular battle had so many dead people that for years the place reeked. It was awful because so many people had died there. And in the middle of all the plagues and famine and craziness and bloodshed, a lot of people were looking at this like this is the end because Rome, as far as they're concerned, this is this has to be like the Babylon because everybody trades with us because the old one had kind of fallen into obscurity by that point. Uh, and it's ruins today as well. And they were just like, oh, this has to be, this has got to be the end. Everything's coming to a close. Well, here we are, 1,500 years later. So... There is, I think that we understand that maybe this could be the one, maybe we're on the cusp of something, or maybe this is just for turmoil, and in another millennia, we might still be here, oh, not us, but somebody. Uh, okay. So I... Yeah, yeah, I yeah amen. And I, I, yeah. I, I see, you know, the interesting take that you take in, in human history. And that, you know, is going to move, uh, before we move on, you know, there's a verse in Second uh, Peter that says, you know, uh, there's going to come scoffers in the last days saying, where is the promised one? Where is the, where's the promise of his coming? And the Bible says they're going, to, they're going to scoff and say, where is this coming? But they don't realize that Jesus will be coming as a thief in the night. When he comes, no one's going to expect it. They're going. I, I guarantee you, when Christ does come, they're going to talk about flying saucers and extraterrestrials and everything else like that. Because it's going to be that type of coming where nobody is truly looking for him. And if I and if I was to be, this would be the perfect time for Christ to come, especially in the Western world, because I don't even think the church is on fire anymore. <laughs> you know, they're not. They're certainly not looking for Jesus. But I mean. Uh, you know that's a that's a small criticism, but n let's let's switch the topics not so differently, but to talk about human suffering because it goes hand in hand. If we if we're talking about tribulation, if you're talking about end times and suffering and everything else like that, how do we as Christians perceive suffering? Is suffering something done to us or for us? What is the what is the uh, what is the what is the value of suffering, and what is um, and what is the what is the downfall of suffering? Because uh, this past week, I was actually, um, you know, talking with this lady who um, I uh, I watch on um, 
on YouTube. Um, I uh, became recently like friends and just watching her story about her husband who passed away um, about a month ago. He died in a, in a, motorbike, a motorcycle accident in the Philippines. And she goes, and so she went to her friend, uh, one of her friends' house, and her daughter was dying of cancer. And, you know, she, as she was asking for help from her viewers and, you know, eventually the child just this past week passed away. And I was thinking to myself, suffering. This, this little girl had no chance. She had stage four cancer and no treatment because of the Philippines where they were and they had no chemo, um, no, no cancer medication. She, and I'm thinking about suffering. What, you know, how do we make sense of suffering? Because I think people can take it two ways. They can say, woe is me. Why has God punished me? Why has God? Or we can see it as what Paul said at the end of his life where he says, these light afflictions are not worthy to compare for the glory that God has prepared for those that love him. What is exactly, um, Chris, uh, what is what is suffering mean to you? What does suffering mean in the body of Christ to the individual because I can go into my you know view of what suffering means because I've suffered somewhat in life don't get me wrong I haven't suffered as much as other people have but when it comes to suffering we're all touched by it absolutely I mean pain pain um, gets your attention normally um, in one way or another and what God has at least showed me you know, personally, and, you know, through the scriptures, there's probably more than two ways, but there's basically two popular ways that suffering happens. And suffering takes place, um, number one, by nothing we had to do with anything. Uh, not our fault, we're like the victim of circumstances and other people being stupid. But the other, the other way we suffer is also self-inflicted by our own choices. And so, um, what the one we can glory in the most, even though God works everything together for good for us, the one we can glory in the most is where we haven't done anything wrong and God has just allowed us to be sifted. And that's where I think James uh, talks about in uh, chapter 1, verse 2. It says, you know, my brother, brethren, count it all joy. When you fall into the various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And then it talks about asking for wisdom and not having a you know a double mind. So there are, you know, God doesn't call us to glory because we're suffering for things we're doing to ourselves. Even though in Romans it does say he'll work everything together for a good. But when God is just allowing us and we're just a victim in one sense, I can say that, um, and we're just being sifted, it's because God has a greater purpose and he's going to use what the devil meant to destroy us for our good also in that situation. Except it's just something that God, not something we brought on ourselves, because we can help the devil bring evil into our lives is what I'm trying to say. And we don't want to suffer like that. There's no, that's, that is pointless suffering that God has allowed, but you instigated as a pure person or human being or myself or whoever, you know, whatever that looks like. 
And so when it's just something that we're a victim of, you know, like, you know, we're driving and someone hits us, you know, something like that, just an example, there's others, I'm sure, you know, God is just being a fit to allow the devil to do what he did, and he's going to use it to produce, through all that suffering, a godly nature, uh, meaning, that, and that doesn't mean evil perfects us. <laughs> all it means is that God is sovereign and supreme, and in spite of how the devil is coming, really, and genuinely to kill, steal, and destroy, God is still going to get the glory and the treasure out of you by molding you somehow, burning up the flesh, uh, molding us somehow through that assignment of darkness, uh, however people are suffering, and many people are suffering with more than So, like, to answer your question, the answer in the Philippines uh, or something like that. that, That's a tough one. A lot of people have that question, but if God is on the throne, you know, why is he allowing that? Well, I could go back to the scriptures, and I don't want this to seem um, heartless. It's not heartless. But these these are the facts that the scriptures mention. In Hosea, as my people perish because of lack of knowledge. When there's not a proper kingdom knowledge of the scripture, of the cross, how to get breakthrough, the scriptures say not just evil people, it says my people <laughs> perish. When we don't understand the authority that we have, when people don't understand their salvation, when people don't understand that there's healing, and the stripes of Yeshua, uh, people perish because they don't have the right knowledge. And that's the sad part, where a lot of people in these indigenous areas, you know, Africa or, you know, China or, you know, this, this Singapore or Philippines or whatever, it's really sad. And I believe God's grace is perfect for these people, whether they make it to heaven or not. Uh, that's between him and them. But, um, you know, God says as suffering goes for a believer, you know, God is going to use it uh, for our good and bring out, you know, eternal treasure. Now, if people suffer just for doing stupid things, um, there is a glory in it in the sense of if we repent, <laughs> which you can only see the redemption through repentance is the problem. Um, when people are suffering because of just their own stupidity, and we've all done stupid things, but there's some who do it a lot better and more. And, and so we're just constantly, constantly suffering, not learning, not getting the point. Uh, God's knocking on our heart, and we're just suffering on our own accord. I'm not saying God can't work for good for you, uh, but it's going to be so that you can eventually turn and repent and, and give your life over to him. Or if you know him and you're still making mistakes, then you just get the point and repent of whatever thing you're struggling with and uh, allow him to have his peace you know, in, in your heart. In her life in a proper way, but there's different variants. So I mentioned both sides. There's different ways we suffer. Like say King Saul, if you remember, who was before King David, um, he his life ended early because he suffered on his own. That that suffering was self-inflicted. God's given us free choice and free will, and God took him out early. He died early because. His heart, his motive was wrong. He was taking shots at David, trying to kill him, literally. 
many times, back and forth, blessing him and then trying to kill him. Very schizophrenic uh, mentally. Uh, what do you call that? Bipolar. Uh, disturbed. And anyhow, his own choices, you know, ended his life early. So there's our own choices that amplify and help the devil. And then there's God who just says, go, uh, go ahead, take a shot at him. You know, he's going to outlast him. <laughs> so for us, in the sense of suffering, in the sense of suffering, we want to be on the side where we're not helping the devil. I'd rather be on that sense. Like, okay, I know the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Okay, right. He's taking shots at us. I, I would rather suffer on the side of being obedient than just not getting it and perishing because of my Amen. And I will, I know definitely would like to add to that. Like when we talk about suffering, we can like and you said about. Um, letting the you know helping the devil, I believe a lot of instances of 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 people lashing out is or committing suicide or or homicide or these type of grisly murders is due to people in like you said without knowledge. knowledge. Yeah, and and mm-hmm. basically being consumed by the devil because the Bible says, remember Peter was angry. He was an angry person. And uh, what do you call it? Jesus, uh, when they were in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, the Jesus said, "Jesus uh, uh, said, get behind me, Satan, because he allowed his emotions, his anger, to get the best of him." And what did Jesus do? He ended up repairing the ear of the guard that he cut off, because, in Absolutely. essence, he allowed the devil to enter into him. And when we see that yeah. happen that it is easy for the devil to enter us when we're at our weakest or when we're suffering, does it start making sense of reality and explain some of the unexplainable of what we see here in today's time when people get desperate enough, whether people are doing drugs, whether people are committing um, acts of crime against each other, people are doing the most excusable. Does this start making sense that some people, um, like you said, end up helping the devil by becoming... Um, by saying, oh, well, life is not going to get better. Might as well do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to take uh, Brother James, you know, time, uh, but that, that that is exactly what it is because you know, I, I won't get too deep into it as I know our minutes are winding down, but the way things operate, I'm going to scroll this back a step or two, is the cross was a judicial act it was a judicial act because the courts of heaven, the courts down here are a replica, even though some are corrupt. Uh, they're a replica of what exists in heaven. So where am I going with this? The cross was a judicial act to appease what we should have gotten in punishment. So when we're not repenting and, 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 and agreeing with God with what sin is through the shed blood, the devil is a legal right as we sin, to continue that torment and get a judgment against you where God will take his permissive grace, his, um, what do you call that, a type of grace off your hand because all people that are alive that don't know Christ yet, it's still the grace of God keeping them alive. They're only alive to repent, basically, <laughs> at this point. Mm-hmm. They're on a they're, they're hanging. They're on a spring. And, and when God takes his hand away, that string is cut and he gives them over 
to what Satan is trying to do to them, which is destruction. Nothing can happen without your agreement with the devil. What most people don't understand when they're doing evil is that they're agreeing with the devil. Mm. And when you agree, that judicial, Satan gets a judgment eventually to where he takes you with him. Where God said, you're right, they're, they're following you. I'm just giving you an example, but it's similar. Because Satan, like Job, has to go through God, even though God hates the death of people, because the ultimate death is hell. Physical is okay, that's bad, but it, the ultimate death is spiritual, eternity in, in, in hell. And we're, so the cross, what I'm trying to say is, we are helping literally, <laughs> we are literally not only helping, agreeing with the devil. And because of that lack of knowledge, people, perish because there is a point where the scriptures say that my flesh will not my what is that i will not strive with flesh forever there's some scripture yeah that's like the that. that's the book of genesis yep my flesh yeah, wouldn't, yes. it says my spirit would not last in this in the in the flesh of men forever that's right mm. there, there, there's a point where the curtain falls where god says i've offered my grace and because you agreed with the devil whether you knew it or not some really know it those who serve the devil, you know, cultic, you know, witches, wizards, warlocks, all that. Some of them really understanding and just, they just want that. But most people, a lot of people, they don't know that. But that's what's happening. They're, they're getting a legal judgment, literally, because God does nothing that's unfair. When he allows you to get taken out and you die, there is nothing unfair, nothing unrighteous, mm. nothing wrong, even though it makes his heart completely broken and sad, but because he's a God of justice also, because the cross was justice. It's either the justice of the cross we accept, I'm kind of explaining the gospel a little here, but it's either the gospel, the justice of the gospel that we accept, or we have to pay for our own sins, and that's where you get sent <laughs> to hell, because that's the sentence of and Yes, we are helping the devil get a judgment against us to destroy us when we don't agree with God with the Amen. And, you know, to put it, uh, to put a little uh, a context on that, when I was in seminary, I studied world religion. I went to uh, a mosque. I went to other religions. And it's funny, outside of Christ, that you have to pay for your sins, whether that is in Islam or whether that's in paganism. People... Ha, even in in, yeah. Hin, in in Hindu or um, Buddhism, you know, people don't realize that a Gautama Buddha basically was born a Hindu and rejected the tenets of Hinduism, and you know, went on his own way of enlightenment. To you know, but in even in his home philosophy, there's atonement for a person's sin, and yet outside of Christ, there is no uh, people have to take accountability for their own sins, but yet. In Christ, we see the answer, which is put upon Jesus. That's why, you know, he's on the cross. It says, you know, I have made all things new. And the funny thing is we do not see what the consequences of sin is. It's hard for the the sinner to see sin because he's already in sin. It's kind of like, you know, a person who's dead, (laughs) you know, they don't know they're dead. Or not, they don't know they're dead, Mm -hmm. but like... In essence, remember when they were at the tomb of Lazarus and Jesus says, take the stone away. And they said, oh, he stinketh, you know, but that's a weird comment because, yeah, he would the body will stink. But 
Lazarus wouldn't know because he's dead. You know, the only the only the person who is alive can smell the stench of the sin. And I think those of us that have their eyes open, it's hard to close to it's hard to close our eyes to the world of sin and everything else like that. I mean, it, it it's kind of weird. I avoid it because God has there is an there's an interpersonal struggle when you realize that there's a there's a battle between good and evil that's happening. Why can't I just go out there and live like the way that I want to? Well, because I'm a, I'm my eyes has been opened and my flat and my spirit has been awakened. That's the gift of God. And I know through the struggle, I'm only becoming a better and stronger person. Would you say that that's about right there, James? Uh, I would say that uh, when it comes to, I, I would agree that suffering is going to, it's going to refine you. So in that remark, uh, what you just said there, Joe, yeah. Uh, now... I will also say that what you just said is hinting on something that I was uh, ruminating on as we were talking, which is that we as people, and this is just how we're wired, uh, we want a compass. We want to be oriented. Okay, there is nothing that is more hell for, I think, most of humanity, aside from the little one, literal one, but there's nothing that's more hell for humanity than not having... A framework for what we're doing why am i doing what i'm doing why am i you know what's my day you know what's my this or that is my schedule full yet but there's a we want a compass we want to frame everything and so suffering is one of those things we're trying to put a compass on uh and there is definitely we can explain some suffering uh, like you can probably explain why you're going to be suffering after you decided to, you know, walk across the street in the middle of traffic. You know, you just got hit by a car because you did something stupid, and that's on you. Uh, now, yeah. there's other sufferings as uh, I've been touching on. Chris, you were mentioning, uh, and uh, one aspect of that was just I've done nothing wrong. Why am I suffering? Uh, that what warranted uh, a little girl uh, or a little boy uh, having cancer? What warranted a woman who gave birth to a child who was born with terminal cancer? Okay, can you imagine on how many levels of suffering there are right there? Yes, for the child who's going to already be in pain to begin with, but also on the mother who just feels like they gave birth to death. Uh, there are so many levels of trauma and difficulty there that, frankly, there is no explanation for. Uh, because in suffering, we are in a broken world. This is a world in transition. We're on our way to the next one. And so what we have are these promises in Scripture uh, for those of us who do believe we have Revelation, speaking of Revelation, speaking of prophecy, Revelation 21 uh, we have a short a couple little verses here. Uh, when the heaven, when new heaven and new earth descend, he says, God says, and this is verse 4 of chapter 21, he says, this is for God. He says, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Amen. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. 
for the old order of things has passed away. Amen. Amen. He was seated on the throne, said, I am making everything new. And he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And so this is the gospel that we have here, which says, yes, things will be made anew. Yes, there is going to be an end to the suffering. But you can't explain it all. And I mean, you know, we have this, our Proverbs 3, verse 5, you know, which has been oft quoted by thousands of people, who I suspect many of them don't understand what they're quoting. But it's, trust not, it says, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. Look at that word understanding, intellect, brain. Okay, look at me. I love, if you can't already tell, I love learning. I love, I am absolutely a, a thinking kind of guy. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Even more interesting is that no matter how much you think you're going to hit a circle of, I don't have an answer to this question because there is none. And sometimes that's exactly what it is. And you can ask a friend, you can, you know, phone a friend, you know, if he wants to be a millionaire. You can do that, and you might get an answer for something like, hey, I can't figure out this math question, number three. How do I get this taken care of? This whole exponential growth function is really freaking me out. Well, yeah, maybe you can get an answer to something like that. But suffering is something that, guess what? Now I'm going to wake up Paul's letter to the Romans, Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 